all the trouble you've started? Be they a government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to win the game to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others will take, but as for me, give me liberty! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. All right, it's uh, it's two minutes past three in the afternoon here in the UK. I'm in the north of England in Newcastle. Um, we've got a time change this evening, which takes me back to, to what I consider to be normal, which is five hours difference between here and, and the East Coast in the States. Uh, there's a couple of weeks where it's where it's six hours difference and it always confuses me. And there's a couple of weeks in the autumn where it's four hours difference and that confuses me even more. <clears throat> Is that how it works? Something like that. <clears throat> Not sure exactly. <clears throat> so uh, what have I been doing this week? I've been I've been recording podcasts believe it or not. So after all the, the experimenting with radio, and uh, I was experimenting with Spreaker, and with Anchor, and with Podomatic, uh, which are podcasting platforms. I've been doing that over the last couple of months. I finally settled on one, and it's it's a platform that's been around for years. Podomatic's been around since 2005, I think. Uh, but the the other ones are good, they're interesting, but for, for whatever reason, 
I don't do regular things with them. And if I'm going to be podcasting, it needs to be regular. So I've settled on on every day. But instead of doing a half an hour podcast, I'm doing three 10 minutes or four seven minutes or something like that. So it works out at about half an hour a day, but it's all in, in 10 minute chunks. And that seems to be working for me okay. So if, if anybody wants to, to take a look at that, you can do that. I've posted about two hours worth of stuff so far this week. And there's a, obviously there's an hour radio show to go on there as well. So it'll end up being about three hours of, of uh, content a week. Most weeks, it might not be every week, but most weeks. Uh, what I've discovered, though, which I find interesting, is because there's a lot of there's a lot of statistics that you get with the account, so I can see how many downloads, how many listens on each platform that it, that they send it out to. It's a it's a syndication platform, effectively. It sends the podcast out to Spotify and to uh, Deezer, all, all those types of places. Anywhere you can, you would normally get a podcast, it's probably going to have already sent it out there. If not, then Anchor and Spreaker will, will send it out there when I eventually upload the best ones to there. I might start doing that this afternoon, actually, when I'm finished, finished doing this. Uh, what I've discovered, though, is uh, I'm much better at being regular when I can see the change in the statistics. Uh, with Spreaker and with Anchor, it didn't have the statistics that I need to be to be regular. For whatever reason, I don't know why, it might just be my psychology, but I'm used to working to targets, I'm used to working to, to numbers because I'm in telesales. I'm in sales, so you have to work to, to the numbers uh, because sales sales is a numbers game, as they say. So it's all it's all about finding enough people that the percentage that convert is high enough to make a profit in sales, and it's it's the same principle with a podcast or with a radio show. There have to be enough enough listeners to make the, the 1% or the 2% or the 5% or whatever it is that turn into regulars has to be high, a high enough level to make it, to make it viable, to make it uh, worth doing. And if, if I can't see the numbers, then I can't tell who's listening and who's not. But with podcasts, I can see the numbers, so that makes me happier. It makes me a happy man. And uh, I like being happy. So the more more time I spend with the podcast, the more numbers I've got to work with, and the more effective I can make the podcast at targeting a particular group of people. Once I find them, I haven't found them yet, but I've only really been doing this a couple of weeks, as far as the podcast's concerned. Uh, so that'll get there. I'm number 16 in the spirituality category at the moment. Uh, the podcast called called Radio Radio Projects dot podcast is the uh, the URL for it. I'll put that in the chat. 
video project is everything for me at the moment. There we go. So I've still got something going on Spreaker and I've still got something going on Anchor. Uh, but now that I've got some content on Podomatic, I can just take it from there and put it up to to the other two platforms. Now that I've found the one that makes me produce content, it's easy to move that content to the other places. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit finicky about things. I'm a bit finicky about what I need in place to make things happen. And statistics is definitely one of those things. Uh, just probably because I've been brainwashed by the sales thing. Right, I was speaking to, to Mitzi in chat earlier on, and she, she agreed to come in to, to have a conversation with me. I don't know whether she's ready, but uh, I'm going to set that up now. Uh, let me know if you're ready in chat, Mitzi. I'm just going to ring you. All right, not quite set up yet, so I'll continue. So the other thing I've been doing is I've been watching a lot of old TV. I'm trying to stay away from the news as much as possible. I'm trying to stay away from from conspiracy type stuff as much as possible at the moment. I'm having a rest from all of that stuff. So I'm uh, I'm I'm back in 70s and 80s television. What that means is I'm watching, uh, I've been watching a fair bit of, of an old spy show called Callan, which is a really down-to-earth down down kind of version of James Bond, but there's no, no glamour involved at all. Callan's a, a reformed uh, bank robber, so he's a gangster, basically. And he... Oh, let me pull my... Four and two seconds. I forgot all about that. All right, the phone just the phone just went down to one percent battery, which would have been a disaster because it takes a couple of minutes to sort itself out. So I've, I think I've rescued that situation by running over into the corner and plugging it in in about five seconds. Yeah, so I'm I'm watching a lot of 70s and 80s TV. I've been watching uh, old episodes of uh, Miss Marple and Poirot, the old Agatha Christie TV stuff, which uh, David Suchet is very good as Hercule Poirot. Right, let me have a look and see if we can bring Mitzi in now. Let's see how I do this. There we go, right on the 11-minute mark. Uh, hello. Hi, uh, did you get your breakfast? Uh, well, I ate a little piece of avocado, so I should be okay. <laughs> All right, excellent. I don't know what we're going to talk about because I didn't come up with a topic. <laughs> That's okay. You were talking about um, TV shows. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I've been doing that, too, um, but... Not so much. I don't know. I'm just so sick of TV. Now that I know about, well, I knew about social engineering all along, but um, 
just intuitively, but uh, you hear so much about it. And now I'm starting to see so clearly, like <laughs> how they do it with TV. It's kind of a little. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, even the obvious thing is the product placement. If you're watching Netflix or whatever, I was watching Stranger Things a while ago. Uh-huh. I got through three seasons of, of Stranger Things in about a fortnight. <laughs> Binge watcher. Um, <laughs> the amount of pro- Coca-Cola product placement in there was unbelievable. I mean, it was just like a, co- a Coca-Cola car sat on a table in the middle of everything for no reason at all. Wow. Um, you know what I mean? And just there was no reason in the plot. I mean, obviously, they, they're kids in the 1980s and children do buy Coca-Cola on a regular basis, but there was no there was no Pepsi in there. There was no Tango or, or uh, Dr. Pepper or whatever else. So, you know what I mean? There was only, there was only the Coca-Cola. <sighs> yeah. It's pretty disgusting. <laughs> well, I just laughed. Because I don't buy Coke anyway, I buy I buy other stuff. I prefer Pepsi, and I don't know why I prefer Pepsi. I just do. I don't mind Cherry Coke, but I, I, I don't really, I don't really do do Coca Cola. It's too Coke's too corporate, and Pepsi isn't. I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long since I've even drank those kind of sodas. I mean, I do like a sip every once in a while. Uh, root beer. I like root beer, <laughs> but uh, I, I've actually been making my own sodas lately, and they're so delicious. Um, it's uh, I got these recipes from these traditional foods uh, books, and you can find them online too. But whenever I get uh, a bunch of citrus fruit, because I live in California, and every once in a while someone comes up from. Southern California with a big bag of fruit, or, you know, citrus fruit, because it's all in season kind of now, about now. And um, I uh, squeeze it up and make um, soda because it takes about, it gets really good after about two months because it's fermented. Um, and uh, so I'll make the soda and it, now I've got a big, huge half gallon um, of, I guess it's a, it's a common, somebody's tree sort of a hybrid itself and it's a combination of grapefruit and lemons um and so it's it's really good but once if you leave it in the refrigerator so when you make the soda you put some whey in you know like from uh the curds and whey that you hear about little miss muffet <laughs> yeah, yeah but so whey is like what what separates from yogurt with the water that separates out from yogurt um, and so you put a little bit of that in there with the um, the oranges and the uh, water and a little little bit of sugar. I use honey in mine and just a pinch of salt, and that gives it that little sort of soda kick. It's kind of good. And uh, so you leave it out on the counter for about four days, three or four days, and then um, you can stick it in the fridge. And I'm telling you, one time I forgot a bottle in there for about six months. And I thought, oh, no, my science project has gone astray. <laughs> but it actually, it turned out so good. It's like the longer you leave it in there, the better it is, I guess, kind of like wine or something. But uh, that's yeah, kind of fun. Yeah. I remember, well, when I was when I was little, my, my dad used to brew his own beer. So we had mm. an air and cupboard full of beer for quite a while. 
That was, yeah. That, that was always funny. And he, he would brew me some ginger beer at the same time. Nice. So I always had ginger beer on supply when I wanted it. Oh, cool. So that was probably, yeah, real fermented uh, sodas. That's how they used to make them, like um, the root beer, you know, out of sassafras and and uh, other herbs. Yeah, so I've made them out of uh, oranges. So you can make a natural uh, orangina fermented, like orangina, what they sell in the stores. And then, I mean, and they're way better, actually. <laughs> Once If you let them sit long enough, they just get to where they're so delicious. And in the summertime, they're just really um, very refreshing because they don't have so much sugar in them. So they don't have that syrupy feeling. Yeah, and, you, and you're keeping a lot of a lot more of the the skin with, with it as well so you're getting the the goodness that's in the skin right right of course you want to wash them if they're not organic you gotta really wash the skins i got that from mexico because at the juice bars in mexico um they always wash all the fruit and uh I think here people just kind of cut them and, you know, when you're in a store or in a place where they're making them, never seen them wash them before. But, uh, I guess just to get the, whatever, yeah, pesticides or something pesticides, off you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pesticides floating around on, on all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, when you were, definitely. Mm -hmm. when you were growing up, did you, did you, did you eat a lot differently than, um, what, how people eat now? Ah uh, yeah, it was all it was all stews, stews and mm -hmm. casseroles. So we would have a like a sun, Sunday dinner would be a roast beef with Yorkshire puddings and vet like potatoes and veg or whatever. And my mum always managed to make make the roast last about another two days somehow. Mm -hmm. No idea how she managed to do that because I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, the that's the way to um, the stews and stuff. That's like so important. Um, I I just uh, got onto the Gaps diet to help um, my gut. I started. I did it about five years ago, and it totally changed my life. Um, I grew up in a place where there's a lot of uh, um, oil refineries and chemical refineries, and so I think I got really toxed out as I was little. Right. Um, but and then eventually my gut just got so um, trashed out that basically anything that I ate hurt my stomach. Um, and so then I heard about this diet to heal the gut lining. And uh, I went on to it about five, six, I guess. No, it's been about seven years now because I got off of it five years ago. I was on it for two years. And yeah, it totally changed my life. Um, but I've just got on it again recently. Um just for some skin issues that I'm having. And I noticed that I have been having stomach aches again, which I hadn't had for years. So it's a good timing for me. Uh, so what is, the, what is the GAPS diet? What's the basis of, of that? I don't know anything um, Yeah, so the basis of it is um, basically traditional foods. So what you're talking about, your stews. <laughs> but, okay, so there... Um, so there's a whole bunch of lies that have been told about um, food. And uh, one of them is that pretty much everything that our ancestors did or our grandparents, great-grandparents, that they were all really stupid and all their food was is really bad for you, including things like eggs and 
rail salt, um, uh, animal fats, um, meat, <laughs> so, you know, things like that. Um, so over the course of about what, two or three or four generations, even, um, people have been steering away from eating in the old ways, uh, and, um, bone broth, stuff like that, like using the cheap cuts, like the joints and the, the bones to make soups and stuff. That's like gold. That will, that's, that's the basis of the GAPS diet is bone broth made out of joints and gelatinous cuts of meat. Uh, because turns out that this broth, when you, when you boil the bones with the, uh, the cartilage still on there, um, it, it releases a lot of gelatin and collagen into the broth. And that gelatin and collagen is really what um, the gut lining needs to heal because of all these generations of not having it really, because there's very few people who eat soups anymore. <laughs> so um, I was lucky. My dad used to make a lot of soups. He's Mexican and uh that's, you know, he would get all different kinds of bones and make that as his broth. And uh, he was a really, really good cook. <laughs> and, uh, but then, so right now I'm on what's called the introduction diet. And um, that is basically, I've been about five days with eating pretty much just soups with really well-cooked vegetables um, to help uh, and no starch. So the yeah, so the GAPS diet, there's you, you eliminate all starches um, because <clears throat> the premise is that um, people are uh, who have these issues, gut uh, gut issues, right? Like damaged gut linings, which is probably pretty much everybody these days. <laughs> but um, that, um, well, the last hour of my last show that I did on Sunday last. Um, I talked about, um, I did a whole hour on how these symptoms arise and how uh, how it is that the, the gut gets damaged. But basically it's through uh, the wrong foods, which we've been, um, you know, kind of socially engineered to think is, you know, the, a good diet is low fat and uh, no meat and, um, you know, whole wheat bread not soured so get away from um you know doing things the, the traditional way which would be souring like when they in europe you know all the bread used to be soured so as sourdough uh so that breaks down the gluten and the these uh chemicals that are in whole grains that uh help actually stop you from preventing minerals in whole grains so it's a, the souring process is is a slow way of cooking and everybody wants fast food. They want everything instant gratification, right? So the food has gotten really denatured and um, pretty toxic. And so it's made for a few generations of really bad um, health and a lot of autoimmunity. And I explained that in my last show. So it was the last hour of, of the last show. And I'm going to talk more about it on my show tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so the first, the introduction diet, you start off with a lot of soups, just soup, 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 and then you slowly are adding in different things like avocado, and today I'm going to add in some eggs, so I'm going to have probably an omelet for breakfast, um, and then you just see what you can tolerate. If you, if you start to add in a food too early, 
uh, and you start to, like for me, my symptoms are stomach aches. Some people have blood sugar issues or, um, you know, whatever the issues are that people have, why they got onto the diet. You sort of use those symptoms as a gauge. So if you go along in the diet and you're adding things in as the diet progresses, um, so you can tell what the trigger is for your for your symptoms, essentially. Yeah, and also if you're ready. So maybe there needs to be more healing in the gut. Because as you remove the offending foods, like all, all the starches, they turn into sugar real fast. And that feeds uh, parasites that have been building up in people's systems over millennium, basically, or, you know, hundreds of years, or a hundred years, maybe. Um so as you remove that and then you start the healing process with introducing the foods that are healing, like the bone broth and um, what's the first ones? Oh, so uh, juice from sauerkraut and uh, like fermented real sauerkraut, not made with vinegar, pickle juice. I have a ton of pickles from last year. Um, well, I probably only have like three bottles left, but um, I've got a lot of juice sitting in my fridge from all the pickles that I made and, uh, and so I'm using that pickle juice. So that's introduced as a, as a, uh, a, a form of um, probiotics and enzymes because most people who uh, have gut issues, like so many people, IBS and Crohn's disease and colitis, um, I probably had one of those things. I don't know when I started off, I don't go to doctors, so I don't really know what the diagnosis would have been. But uh, the point is, I just treated it with diet, and it really worked. And so I'm doing it again just to see if I can get some of this rosacea that I get um, under control. And it's already, just in a week, it's about 50% better. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, I don't go to the doctors at all, really. <laughs> I think I've, That's I've good. I've been to the doctors about three times in the last 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And two good. of those, just to ask a question, I'm, there was one time I had a I had a slip disc about fifteen years ago, and I was uh, I was in absolute agony. I was on the floor for like half a day, maybe a day, and then I and then I remembered that I had a an acupressure book on the shelf, and I managed to get up to the acupressure book, and found the point. There's a point behind your knees apparently. Well, I know from experience there is a point behind your knees because that's that's the one that I used. And I, I managed to managed to get a reasonable night's sleep, and then I was on the bus into town the next day. And this is like I was in absolute agony. It's the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. But just like pressing full force on that that point behind the knee, sorted it out. And I was still feeling. I was when I was on the bus, I was feeling feeling the the movement of of the the movement of the bus was setting it off a little bit. But I was I was capable of walking and capable of moving around town after like a day, maybe a day and a half. So, wow. so I went to the doctors to get that checked out, and I told her what I'd done. And it was a it was an Indian locum doctor. She just she just took one told me to lie down, took a look at took a look at me posture, and said, "Yeah, you had a slip disc, and it's sorted now." <laughs> oh, in a day, that's a amazing. Day. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't. That's I couldn't cool. believe it. I was out. Like I, I don't know what. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know I'd slipped a disc until I got to the doctors. Oh, I was just in absolute agony. Wow. Yep. 
That's how I started. Uh, I got a, um, when I was 17, I got a acupressure book and I started teaching myself and practicing on friends. Uh, you know, people have headaches or whatever, allergies, different things, and uh, or sleeplessness, all kinds of problems. It's amazing. Yeah, there's so much at our fingertips, literally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that we can do. I, I think the yeah. book cost me five pounds. Uh-huh. It was like in a remainder bookshop somewhere. So it's the best five pounds I've ever spent in my entire life. Because it just saved me in a lifetime of agony. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because time, but uh, you know what I mean. I could well, have been it could a lot have been. Than a half. Yeah, it could have been because I mean I see people all the time. They you know for that kind of thing they'll go to the doctor and then they get once they get onto the um, you know onto the um, conveyor belt, <laughs> they'll yeah. send them to this specialist and that specialist, and then um, you know they'll start with the injections, steroids, and and you know possibly surgery. And they get really messed up. It's so sad, you know. So that's so cool that you just did that. So it was at the point that was. It's called actually that point is called UB forty. <laughs> um, it's right behind the knee in the middle, yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one for um, acute back strain and that kind of thing. Yeah, cool. That's so great. Have you tried it with anything else? Um, well, the acupressure. You, there's a point. There's a point I use quite a lot, which is just in the in the indentation by the collarbone or by my neck. I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call any of these things. I just do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's like you cross cross your arms over and just push in with with my thumbs on that uh-huh. point, and that that helps a little bit with my my neck gets tight sometimes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So it loosens my neck up a little bit that point. Um, that, those are the only ones I really use these days, but I used to use a lot, a few more, because I was quite enthusiastic at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are the two that stuck by me. Those are the two I tell people about, because those are the ones that are easy to remember and easy to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so many people have neck pain and low back pain, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get I get a stiff neck all the time. It doesn't help that I'm sleeping on the sofa still, like, but... That's just that's just me. I like I like the sofa. It's more comfortable mm-hmm. than my bed, so that's where I sleep. But I think I think it doesn't do my neck any favors being on here. Yeah. Do you have enough room to extend fully? Yeah. Yeah. I can manage. I can manage. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And I do sleep on. I do. I've got a futon in the other room, so I sleep on there every few days. I have a night on the futon, and I, I stretch out properly. Oh yeah. Cool. How's your new place doing? How are you liking right. it there? Yeah, not, that's good. not quite so new now. I've been here what fifteen, sixteen months now. So it's it's all right. I mean, it's it's, it's a mess, but that's the way I live. <laughs> I've got stuff all over the floor. <laughs> I've got like uh, endless amounts of carrier bags everywhere with clothes in them. But that's just that's the way I live. It's the way I like to live. So uh, I'd, I'd rather have things in front of me where I can see them than in a cupboard. And I don't know why. Probably I'm frightened that I might lose them or something. There's, there's some kind of internal fear going on there that I need to look at, maybe. But I know if I put them in the cupboard, they'll just be out on they'll just be out on the floor again in two days. So it's pointless. 
Yeah. Yeah. So are things still like totally locked down there or are there any businesses open over there? Uh, the only things that are open are, are classed as essential businesses, which is obviously the food shops. Um, takeaways are open, food takeaways. So the, the bakeries are open. Uh, fish and chip shops are open. Oh, that's uh, good. The yeah. kebab places are open. Uh, anywhere that's doing, anywhere that does deliveries can, can be open as well. So, uh, I mean, with with the with the the takeaways, they you have to you have to wear a mask while you're in there, and they're only allowing two people in the shop at a time. Uh huh. But most, and you have to have the door open all the time, so the the, the door to the shop has to be fully more or less fully open. Huh. So it's, I mean, it, it can get quite busy in there because nobody takes any notice of the two people at a time rule, really. And then, but who's um who's um monitoring that? Like, who's enforcing that? Is it just the shop owners at this point, or are the police yeah. going around? No, the police, the police wouldn't be able to do anything. No, uh, so it's just the shop owners. They've been told they have to do it, but it's if they're licensed by their local council, they would have to do it. Otherwise, they lose whatever license they have to have. Food hygiene, hygiene license, I suppose it would be. Hmm. You know, because where I live, um, you know, well, we're kind of up in cowboy and, and Indian country up here. <laughs> so everybody's a renegade. And uh, very, you know, there's more and more people moving up here from the cities. And so, like, uh, there's more people with masks walking around. But the people who are just kind of from here who live here, they're, for the most part, most people are not masking up and stuff unless, you know, and it's really weird, but, you know, here's the liberal thing. You know, the liberals are the ones that are, like, really, like, doing all the um, sort of virtue signaling and shaming and all this for people to mask up. But I'm, like, neither. I don't vote. I'm not political. I don't believe in party politics at all. So I'm kind of just like, well, they didn't call me. Nobody came to my office and told me to close down, so I haven't closed down. Um, and now more and more people are opening up, even though I think the state hasn't has not officially opened up. Um, more and more restaurants are starting to just serve inside. You know, they kind of do a little bit of the social distancing and stuff, but uh, for the most part, um, and some restaurants have not even stopped serving at all you know, sit down, no masks. Yeah, we're not at the point where we've got restaurants open at all yet. Oh, uh, well. Mm -hmm. So you can't, uh, you, the, I'm waiting for the, the, the vegan place that I use, the vegan cafe is still mm -hmm. closed. They were open for a couple of weeks doing, doing take like very basic takeaway stuff, mm -hmm. takeaway coffees, but there was, there wasn't enough business for them with takeaway. Do they have to still pay for their rent? Yeah, I think they they'll be paying for the rent, but they they get uh, with business rates. I think they're getting rate relief from the government. They're getting help. Anything that's that they have to pay the government, they're getting help with. But if they're paying a private landlord, they wouldn't get help with rent. Rent if they're paying to a private landlord. Well, that's really hard because how are they going? How are people supposed to keep their businesses? You know, how are you supposed to open back up? If you know, you lose your place because you can't pay the rent. That's... Yeah, it's, it's tricky. They seem to be, there's people's activity in there now. So I know, I know the guys who run it, I know they were experimenting. 
No, I think you just cut out somehow. Right. I can't yeah. hear you. Uh, the, I was talking about the the vegan cafe that I go. To. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And I know the I know the management. I know the guy who runs it. And he likes to experiment, so he's had plenty of times to, to come up with new recipes and new new menus and stuff like that. They've changed the look. The, all the branding's changed as well. They've changed all, all the outsides changed. So I think it's given them an opportunity to rebrand everything and change the, the direction slightly, so they're going to be more of a bar. So they'll be the only vegan... Well, actually, there's, there's another vegan bar around the other side of me. So there's, there's now two vegan... Bars in Newcastle? Huh. Well, I'm I'm not into veganism at all. I feel like that's probably part of the agenda to, to weaken people really. But you know, I understand that you know people are trying to get healthy and one of the things that that does is it gets people off of um, you know, uh sort of <clears throat> standard processed food, which is good, and anybody's gonna feel better after they stop doing that. Yeah, absolutely. But um Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that, you know, just it's like every day I walk out the house and just going, is this still happening? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. We've got till the 12th of April. I think the, you, you'll be able to get a food, food if you're eating outside. But uh, I think it's the end of April that they're actually opening the restaurants again. Oh, wow. So it's another month at least before we get back to what I would consider normal. It's being able to sit down with a cup of coffee and just, but, just sit and read a paper for two hours. Yeah. Do you, um, because, uh, so like, um, I think that they're using fear tactics to keep people um, just closing down on their own without enforcement. Um, here there in Ashland, Oregon, there's this rumor going around that two businesses got fined $14,000 for letting people with masks in their business. And so they're really like Nazis up there. You cannot enter uh, anywhere without a mask. Well, there's a few places and I, I totally um, support the places that are not enforcing it. But, um, uh, and, but I've asked every single shop owner that I know, who are the people that got that, those fines? And it's a pretty small town. It's, there's probably, you know, 50,000 people there or something or 35 even, it's pretty small, and nobody knows. And in that size of a town, I'm pretty sure that if two people got $14,000 fines, people would know who it was. But nobody, I have not heard from, I think it's just a big lie to keep people in fear and to control them through fear like that. Uh, it's just just a rumor mill. It's just people talking without having any specifics. There's a lot, a lot of that goes on on Rev Radio. <laughs> There's a lot of people yeah. talking, talking without knowing what they're talking about on Rev Radio sometimes. And it's, yeah. the, same, it's the same with everybody else. It's like mm -hmm. you just you, people make assumptions and then exaggerate and then it turns into a story that didn't exist in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Well, or they get, you know, somehow those rumors get started by somebody who wants the control and say, well, let's try this and see if this does it so we don't have to be sending police around. I mean, the police in a lot of towns, and I don't know what it's like over there, but they're refusing to uh, respond to calls when people call about the mask or somebody not masking and all that stuff. Uh, um, I think the, the only thing the police are doing is if there's an organized part, they'll go in. I saw a couple of stories 
in the last in the last month or so, I've seen a couple of stories where gymnasiums have been open, or there's been a nightclub open with an organised mm-hmm. club night, and they've gone in and they don't arrest the people, but they'll arrest the organisers. Huh. There's a ten thousand pound fine for organising uh, in a in a place that's supposed to be closed, but they don't wow. arrest people who are actually in there as customers. Mm-hmm. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, here there's a woman named um, Peggy Hall, and she's been doing a lot of really cool videos on the laws uh, and the Constitution. And even though, you know, you listen to Mike Gaddy and the Constitution's completely fraudulent, too. But um, but there seems to be uh, lines and things. So she puts out... Um, little placards and flyers and stuff that you can get laminated to bring around with you when you go into places and have the legal uh, numbers, you know, the statute numbers and stuff like that, where you can go in and cite these things. Cause she says that it's actually a felony. If a boss is uh, um, telling the employee, like the, the clerk, right. Uh, that they have to enforce masking before they'll serve them or even charge them for food and stuff like that for in the grocery stores, that um, uh, that, that is completely fraudulent and the, the bosses can get uh, thrown in prison. It's a felony offense. It's called coercion. In the UK, there's a lot of um, health laws, that, so you can't ask people about their health. Yeah, here too. So you uh-huh. can't you can't actually confront anybody and say, why aren't you wearing a mask or whatever? There's health exemptions for masks, so you can get. Oh, oh there are. Okay. Yeah, cool. you can get you can get uh, plastic cards that say that you're exempt. I got some off eBay a while ago, but I've never really used them. Okay. So there's. I stick mm-hmm. my mask on before I go into the shop, and then I'm in there two minutes. And I take it off as soon as I get out. So it's, um, it's only for two minutes. It's over. And it's only ever over my mouth. I never cover my nose. Oh, good. And so people don't say anything about that? No, no nobody cares about, about you having it over your, over your nose. The only, the only place that seems to care about that is the soup kitchen up the, up the road. And while you're collecting your food, you've got to have your mask over your nose. But they're outside anyway. So that, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. And it's only on a Monday. <laughs> It's only this one particular group of people on a Monday. The rest mm-hmm. of the week, they don't care. So are, are there a lot of people uh, walking around in the towns there um, with no mask on? Yeah, there's quite a, there's quite a lot now. There's only, okay. I think it's only really, it's the elderly and people who, who obviously must have something going on that's a health issue that would make them more vulnerable. I think are masking up everybody else, anybody who's kind of, like below 65 or working age, most most of the working age people aren't wearing masks. There were, there's, still, there's still a few people wandering around who are kind of teenagers with masks sometimes, but that mm. seems a bit weird to me as well. There's a, there's a thing going on in Newcastle at the moment with electric scooters, and I don't really understand it. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of electric scooter hire going on. So there's <laughs> electric scooters all over the place. Well, just—they brought that. They brought that. A, I think it's a franchise. They're just testing it. But there's, it's a student town that I live in. So there's there's about twenty thousand students, 
So I think they're trying to get the students all to be using bicycles or using these scooters. Huh. So are they? I saw somebody driving a motorcycle yesterday on the top of this mountain. It's a 4,000-foot pass between... The big city where I where I work is seven thousand people, and there's you know the town I live in is like six hundred people. This guy was riding a motorcycle up over the mountain pass with a mask on, like a full face mask. It was just crazy. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing because it's going to it's going to distract you if there's something going on, and you yeah. try to turn turn your head or whatever. You've got that feeling of the mask over your face. It would it would distract me too much i don't drive anywhere but it would distract me too much i know that yeah yeah well i've heard that in england that um people are just kind of um disobeying the laws and getting tickets and because they say that the the um the court systems are so backed up that they're never going to get to those you know to the proceedings of you know yeah, dealing that, with that those tickets idea. anyway yeah where i lived the uh, the town over the river is it's called gateshead and they've got the highest level in the country of, of uh, fines for not wearing masks. <laughs> they just don't, nobody nobody cares in Gateshead. They'll just do what they like. Wow! It's one of those places. It's a, it's got a law. It's a law unto itself. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good to hear. See, this is the kind of thing I love about Re Revolution Radio, anyway, because we're just all real people normal people and giving real information about what's really happening. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm just, I don't believe anything that anybody says that comes, that originates in a mainstream media, um, you know, information, which is a lot of the alternative media too, is just reacting to what's on mainstream media. Yeah. You know? I, I tend to not really believe anything that, that anybody yeah. tells me really. Uh, yeah. Because the alternative media is just as bad. I yeah. Think the alternative media is just as bad, but coming from the opposite point of view. Mm-hmm. And the truth has to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they're both both sides are stirring up those feelings of fear. So you know, you listen to people like Alex Jones or any of these guys who are just going on and on about what they're doing to us. Well, they're only doing to us what people let them do to them. You know, I, I have not uh, closed down uh, my shop at all. And we just had a movie night, which we used to do, you know, before this whole thing happened. And we're going to start doing it every single month. You know, just having people in. We Someone brought popcorn. I brought the kombucha. And uh, it was fun. You know, there was just a handful of people. and um, But I was in the thrift store the other day. Yesterday, I walked into this one thrift store, which is a secondhand store, Um hear that they before they were really enforcing the masking like they would not let you in yesterday i walked in there because i have not put a mask on at all this whole time um i walked in with no mask and nobody said anything and all the people who worked there they all looked at me and i just kind of walked through like everything was normal <laughs> see what would happen and uh yeah they let me buy a few things and um but there was this one guy in there he was really uh evil looking uh, guy and he was just like so obviously giving me the evil eye and looking and he literally looked me up and down like down to my shoes <laughs> wanted to see who I was what my shoes look like and everything he just like up and down with disgust maybe it was just like I, I felt like 
swearing at him or something, but I held my tongue. <laughs> I just turned away. Yeah, I mean, it's but, ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's like people are treat, treating you like a plague victim or something, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, like, uh, I'm so irresponsible and, like, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's just ridiculous. I mean, we're not lepers just because you're not wearing a mask. The, the the problem is the assumption is the wrong way around. Mm -hmm. The assumption is that everybody who isn't wearing a mask is contagious. And it should yeah. be. If you're not wearing a mask, you're not contagious. Yeah. <laughs> or every but, should just assume that everybody's not contagious to begin with. Yeah. Well, they're the ones that are harboring all the bacteria and stuff in their the mask that they're breathing in and out of and creating that perfect environment, the warm, moist environment to, you know, to produce more bacterias and get them nice and deep into your lungs. Um, I have a one patient that I've uh, mentioned on in the chat room a couple of times. She said I could use her um, case as a case study, so she's fine with me talking about it. I, of course, I would never give names, but um, she had two vaccines. I pleaded with her, you know, the whole time, and I almost didn't see her because I was kind of pissed off that she did it because I've been keeping her alive, basically. she's She's got underlying issues. She's got diabetes, and she's uh, probably in her mid-70s. Um, but she, after the second shot, she just went downhill big time and she was kind of getting a little better, uh, but she was coming in for acupuncture and herbs and she's definitely got congestive heart failure. Um, the doctors won't even call it that. And they're just so stupid. Like why, I mean, why am I the one that has to diagnose these things? I don't have all their, their diagnostic testing and stuff, but she, the last time she came in, she does better after the acupuncture for a few days, but um, this thing, that virus, the shots, I mean, not the virus, but the, the shots are really, uh, they're kind of doing their thing. She came in the last time and her tongue was like maroon color, like purple, red, dark, 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 really scary stuff. That means that her, her, uh, her heart and her kidneys are, really getting fried that something really damaged them yeah I mean, it's 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 ridiculous and i saw some stories where uh, this is a, a couple of months ago where in in norway they were giving giving people in in hospices vax the, the vaccination and then they su they're surprised when 30 people die yeah it's like you're giving people who are almost dead something that's going to win incite their immune system to kick in really quickly and really heavily and then you're surprised when 30 people die that just makes no sense to me at all yeah yeah well i'm just um i'm trying to talk to people as much as i can i mean you know i'm not throwing the pearls between before swines i hope too much but um you know in this local store where i lived i talked to this young kid who i could see he had a acne under his um, the mask and I've, I've never worn a mask in there and I told him you know I just started talking to him about the dangers of masking and he said yeah he sometimes he goes into the walking cooler and he just like almost chokes to death he just can't breathe so he takes it off and now it seems like uh, so he hasn't been wearing a mask but he's been slathering up with the um the hand sanitizers and that stuff can cause liver damage <laughs> you know because of the alcohol People yeah. and he, I saw him put like two or three pumps in his hand between people. It's just like he's doing that all day, maybe. But I, so I got to get to him and talk to him about that next. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't used any of that stuff since I stopped working, which was last October. When I was when I was working in the call centre, we had to use hand sanitizer, but it was, <laughs> and we had to go. There was a one way system in place, so they were sending me along past a whole load of people to go down the the stairs at the opposite end of the office when there was a perfectly good set of stairs at my end of the office with nobody where I didn't have to walk past anybody. So that <laughs> made no sense at all to me at all. Uh, in the end, I just I gave up because I wasn't making any any commission anyway. <laughs> so I, they were they were they called me in for, for coaching, which basically means that they tell you if you don't improve, you, you if you don't hit your targets, they're going to sack you. That's basically what coaching means. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, at that point, I just left because it does my head in that that sort of stuff. I don't mind the first time, but when it when the when it's like tw when they do it twice, that's enough for me. I'll put up with it once, but I'm not. I'm not going to be coached in yeah. targets when if there's something going on. If I need help to sort it out, or a bit of time to sort it out, I'll sort it out myself. Yeah, I always have done. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, a lot of those kinds of companies that are just twisted anyway, they'll they'll be the ones going down, and the ones that are really good. Like I have a friend who's just buying a bakery. She's going to turn it into a uh, a kind of restaurant where you know you just go in and there's one menu and you sit down and you have everybody gets a soup and a salad and a main dish and a dessert and a drink yeah. uh so that's kind of exciting you know that there's these young people who are looking forward to like scooping in and starting their own businesses and um even in this time I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do that she doesn't really have that much money she's got a little saved up but um you know, anyway, I told her I'd help her out however I can, even if it's just she's got a four-year-old. So I think I'm going to start doing uh, daycare, just, you know, hanging out with the kid yeah. since my grandson lives so far away. You know, so any way I can help these people who are trying to do stuff, I mean, I'm there, you know, because we really do need to come together and um, start helping out uh, each other to bring back our own normal you know, yeah. forget I their normal, whatever they want to do, they can do, but let's bring our own normal in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm all about uh, visualizing what, what it is you want to have the world, have in the world. Yeah. So I'm all about be, being the, moving to the positive rather than emphasizing. I mean, you've got to, you've got to accept that, that all these other things are there, that, that the situation yeah. is the way the situation is, but I don't have to, dwell on it i can i can look forward and i can build build a life in my head that doesn't include all of these things yeah you know and go underneath things you know and just be in uh in the native american ways we look at animals to learn certain lessons from and uh one thing i've heard in england and in scotland there's a lot of foxes and foxes are really good for getting around things. They're very cunning and um, they can help you be invisible. Or, you know, like I remember one time we were talking and I, uh, you said you wanted to get some sage. And I said, well, just call the owner of that shop. Maybe they'll just sell it to you, you know, like just meet you outside the door or something. Did you ever get some to do some smudging? Uh, I haven't so far, but okay. uh, they'll be opening again in a couple of weeks. So I'll go up oh, and cool. open. Yeah. Yeah, so I really like, um, you know, because there's all these people complaining about China this and China that. And yeah, you know, all that stuff. But believe me, the governments of China and all the, they're all in bed together. So if you don't like what's going on with getting cheap Chinese stuff, don't go to Walmart, you know. 
buy stuff that people are making that you know or that you know it's like a low sort of just real people supporting small businesses you know that's what i like to do i've always been like that you know buying soap from people who are making soap and all that kind of stuff all right mitchy we're coming to the end of the show just tell people oh, wow. where they can find you Okay, yeah, my uh, I have a show. It's called Bridget's Well on uh, Studio B Sundays at 2 p.m. And I talk about natural healing, uh, foods as medicine, and all kinds of fun stuff, traditional lifestyles and traditional values, that kind of old, old ways of doing things. So Fair thanks enough. a lot for having me on today. No worries. And uh, Revolution Radio is listener-supported, which I haven't said yet. So if anybody's got a spare five dollars uh, pointed in our direction, because we're all volunteers, uh, it's revolution.radio, and you'll find a place to volunteer on the on the the tabs on the top menu, or there's a, a Patreon button. Patreon button, if you want to do something that's that's a monthly regular thing. Uh, thanks for, thanks for being here, Mitzi. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation as always. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Rest of your weekend. I will do, and I'll, I'm going to post it on my podcast as well, so it'll be it'll be in the archives at Revolution Radio, and it'll be on my podcast, and, and on YouTube. everyone it's barbara jean Lindsay, the cosmic oracle if you have questions about your past lives or future plans need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet check out my show the cosmic oracle here on revolution radio at freedomslips.com be evasive but that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to fiction and genesis chapter 6 verse 4 and there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came and unto the daughters of men, indicating that there were giants before the Nephilim. And sons of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern Standard Time on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. This is Jim Fetzer inviting you to join me on The Raw Deal, Revolution Radio, Studio B, Tuesday and Thursday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 5 p.m. Central, 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific, JFK, 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Charlottesville, Las Vegas, the latest on politics and foreign affairs from an unconventional point of view. Come join Revolution Radio Tuesday, Thursday, Studio B. What the heck?